Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this. It's, well, it's beautiful up in um, my studios in Fort Collins. I tell you, I'm looking out the window and the sun is shining. We're going to hit about 80 today, which is a little actually a little cool for this time of the year. So we've got a lot to cover today. We're going to get to it in just a minute. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the state. We've had what it seems like extremely hot weather, yet we're tied with, with the average number of days over 90 in a year. Last year we had a lot more. But we've had the burn scars to deal with. We've had mudslides. We've had just warm flows and the lack of water in some areas that's really affected. So we're going to talk over the course of the next few weeks about how that's affecting your fishing, how that's affecting your hunting, you know, with hunting seasons coming. If you're on the east slope, you might hunt west on the east slope or the front range, you might hunt water holes. If you're on the west slope, you might not be able to so well. We'll see. We're going to talk about all that. We're going to um, cover a lot of fishing and a lot of things about fishing in the first hour. And the second hour, we're going to talk a lot of hunting and shooting. So stay tuned for all of that. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Trout Unlimited is uh, Scott Willoughby. Good morning, Scott. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing good. And, you know, we, we talked, and you want to talk about Colorado gold. Now, immediately people are thinking we're probably out panning for gold or something. Well, that's not what we're going to talk about. But what we are going to talk about does have a huge economic impact on Colorado and a recreational impact, and that's Colorado's gold medal trout waters. Um, I think you and I, when we talked, kind of felt like Colorado's gold medal trout waters really helped define the fly fishing experience in Colorado. A lot of our listeners probably aren't aware of what a gold medal water is. Why don't you explain that to them? Yeah, sure, Terry. You know, um, you, you say we're, we're we're not panning for gold, but I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, overlaps there. I think um, you know these these fisheries are you know. Uh, obviously, we, you mentioned the economic impact, but I mean they're treasures, and uh, and and really the gold medal waters are uh, Colorado's signature fisheries. Um, uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife defines gold medal waters as Colorado's highest quality cold water habitats uh, that have the capability to produce. Uh, many quality size trout, and those are defined as trout that are 14 inches or longer. Um, Colorado, only Colorado Parks and Wildlife can designate a gold medal water, and it has to demonstrate that the fishery uh, consistently produces a minimum trout standing stock of 60 pounds per acre uh, and produces a minimum of average of 12 quality trout per acre. So those metrics are a little, you know, hard maybe for people to, to get their, their minds wrapped around. But essentially, uh, you know, these are the places that offer the best opportunity to catch trophy-quality trout. Yeah, and we have quite a few, actually, in Colorado. How many miles? I think there's yeah. over 300 miles of gold, wa- gold medal water. How many are there? Right, right. Right now, there's about 322 miles uh, of gold medal that are designated uh, in 11 different river segments and three lakes. 
And they're places that any Colorado angler would recognize, places like the South Platte, the Arkansas River, the Upper Colorado, uh, the Gunnison, Roaring Forks, Spinning Mountain Reservoir, uh, you know, and others. Um, so it's it's a list that, um, that, that actually fluctuates a little bit. Um, and, you know, it, it, we've actually seen some gold medal waters, uh, former gold medal waters on the Blue River, for example, get delisted because they were no longer, um, you know, capable of producing the types of fish that, that qualify as gold medal. Now, that's a great point because, you know, we've got, with COVID, we saw recreational, outdoor recreational use just boom with more and more people that maybe had never fished before or camped or hiked along the rivers. Uh, and they all contribute to the, the maintaining the, the uh, environment. Uh, they, they just came out in droves. And that's a great thing. You and I have been involved in getting people into the outdoors for a good part of our life. But we have to be careful we're not loving some of these areas to death. Then along with that, we had some warming temperatures. We had we're in the middle of a drought over on the West Slope, especially where a lot of water uh, isn't, being, isn't flowing enough to maintain these. And that kind of alarmed Trout Unlimited, and it should. So you guys came up with a project called Colorado Gold, I believe. Tell us about that. Yeah, so you know, the, the one-line summary of Colorado Gold is that it's basically a campaign that's dedicated to protecting, restoring, and expanding Colorado's premier trout fishing waters. Um, you know, as you note, uh, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife does an incredible job of managing our fisheries, but our rivers, lakes, and, and fish are really seeing more pressure than ever before, and our gold medal trout waters are on the front lines. You know, they're facing the cumulative impacts of climate change and development, dewatering, and, and, and the seasonal overcrowding that, that you pointed out. You know, but at the same time, we see opportunities that go along with those threats. And, and uh, through Colorado Gold, our goal is to work with the state officials to expand the range and scope of the gold medal water policy, you know, by trying to organize, educate, and activate the thousands of trout fishermen and fishing advocates that, that rely on these resources. You know, we, they support the rural economies, you know, but we also want to, you know, respect the local interests and, and really preserve the health of Colorado's highest quality cold water habitats. Well, with the new anglers we brought in and even the existing population of anglers, you know, I, I'm just a huge believer in keeping this legacy of fishing and hunting in our country that it's uh, so much has been founded on it and it's memories are created. I, I don't care what other activity you do when you get out in a pristine area, a prized piece of river or forest or mountain and you're doing an outdoor activity by yourself or especially with somebody, a friend or a relative, you just create memories and bonding that nothing else parallels. And we have to work hard to, produce, to preserve that. Now, a lot of people probably, you know, most people I think are familiar with Trout Unlimited, but a lot of them don't realize that Trout Unlimited, even though most of its members are fly anglers, is really not a fishing organization. It's a conservation organization, right? Absolutely. You know, um, it, it, you know and, and pairing that with this Colorado Gold campaign, you know, like we say, you know, gold medal waters are essentially about trophy fish right now. But, you know, we, we want to change the thinking to reflect really trophy habitat. You know, and as the Child Unlimited founder, Art Newman, said many years ago, you take care of the fish and the fishing will take care of itself. 
No, that's absolutely right. So tell me now, what is Colorado Gold? Give me the nuts and bolts of it, how you're how you're starting to put this together, where what's the current status and what can people do to support it? Let's start well, with what where it is right now and how what its goals are. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing I'd like to uh direct people to is our website, which is Colorado Gold Metal Water dot org O R G. Uh, and you know that's that's sort of the forward face of uh, the campaign. Um, Colorado Gold is essentially a, a combination of education, advocacy, and restoration. And you know our goal, you know, driving people to the website, we're trying to establish a direct connection between anglers and the waters they fish, and really embedding conservation ethics into the message. Uh, you know, the website is, is sort of our, our education piece. It, it's still evolving, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're very early in this campaign. Um, but, you know, we're hoping that people can look at that and and uh, and sign up uh, for as, as supporters of the campaign. Um, and, and doing so, we plan to uh, provide some, you know, exclusive access to, to content, um, but also, you know, help people uh, connect with some of the important advocacy issues around these uh, gold medal waters. Um, you know, our goal is we don't want to just say, you know, sign up and, 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 and give us money. You know, we want to provide something in exchange. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, the restoration piece uh, is really critical. And, and right now we're, we're focused on the Blue River uh, and, and, and reconnecting the Colorado River up at uh, the Windy Gap Reservoir just above the Kemp Breeze unit, uh, which I, I know you're familiar with. Whirling disease took down that fishery, and, and, uh, and the dam there has is, is really impacted bug life and, and uh, sculpin and, and others. Um, so we're, uh, I, I guess to summarize it a little bit better, the Blue River campaign right now, we're, we're trying to uh, get about a 20-mile segment of the, the Blue River below uh, Silverthorne between Dillon Reservoir and Green Mountain Reservoir, uh, back to the the gold medal status that it that it enjoyed up until about 2016, uh, and now it's no longer um, uh, uh, recognized as gold medal. Uh, but we have a campaign in the works called Getting the Blue Back to Gold. Uh, we're working with the Blue River Watershed Group, uh, among many others, um, and trying to raise some money and uh, and and really finish uh, some research and, and um, get that get that river moving. I think next summer we're actually going to begin the restoration piece of that. So there's a lot going on. Uh, you can learn more by visiting the website, coloradogoldmetalwater.org. Uh, and, um, yeah, we're, we're just hoping to uh, drive some traffic and, and, and recruit some new supporters for gold metal waters in Colorado. Well, I think the goal, you and I talked previously, really is that the more people we can make aware and get involved, whether they can donate money, eventually there's going to need to be boots on the ground to help with this work. And political advocacy is the more people that are aware, if we need to move the needle on the politics a little bit, if we have people aware and supporting, it'll be so much easier. So we really want people to go to the Colorado um, Gold, uh, Gold Metal Trail.org, is that and GoldMetalWater.org. Okay, and we'll give that one more time. And sign up and really take part because this is going to take some time, but the whole goal is to not only 
maintain the gold waters, metal waters we have, but to restore some that have been delisted and also probably to expand in some waters that aren't gold metal yet. And the more of those fisheries that are available and managed properly, the more access there's going to be to, for everybody to great fishing. So I'll have you give that website again in just a minute, but we're running out of time. So I want to ask you, I know you're up, you're up there and you're going out fishing a lot. I know you love the outdoors. So where have you been hearing about a good uh, fly fishing uh, hatch or bite or what's going on? Yeah, I live up in Eagle, and, uh, you know, we, we live on the Eagle River, which is a little bit lower than it uh, typically is. Uh, this time of year, as you know, the, the drought has impacted everything, and there's some smoke in the air. But there are still some great quality uh, fly fishing and or fishing opportunities all around. Uh, I would say that you know the, the buzz I've heard is the Roaring Fork is a gold medal fishery. Uh, the streamer bite is is on over there. It's starting to pick up, uh, and there's still some, some water flowing through there. Uh, the other place that I think anglers could look at. Um, is the Arkansas River, where there's the longest segment of gold medal trout fishing uh, in the state. There's 102 miles of uh, gold medal water along the Arkansas, basically between, you know, just below Leadville and uh, the Royal Gorge there. Uh, and, the, you know, they, they manage the flows to uh, accommodate whitewater rafting up until about August 15th, and they've just dialed back the water and, and created some ideal fishing levels uh, for wade fishermen, and there's still some floatable water as well. So those are two places that that I think you can look at. The other thing to bear in mind, you mentioned it's a little hot down there. It's really a nice cold front has come through, and uh, we've cooled off the water temperatures uh, throughout the high country. And so a lot of these uh, voluntary uh, closures that you've seen in effect in places like the Colorado and the Eagle and the Roaring Fork have been lifted because the water is finally getting back to a, a comfortable uh, state for the trout. You know, and I, I, we've got to go because we're out of time, but you mentioned the Arkansas. One of the great things about the Arkansas, too, is that it has such tremendous public access that you can, uh, and during a weekday, you can still go down there and get a section of river almost to yourself. Scott, give them the website one more time. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's Colorado Gold Metal Water dot org o r g, uh, and, and just to uh, highlight your your point there about access, that um, you know access is really a critical piece of of the gold metal water designation as well. And gold metal water can only be applied to waters in the state that are accessible by for fishing by the general angling public. So, you know, creating more gold metal waters. In, in a lot of ways, has uh, also creates opportunities for access. And as you know, that's a big piece of, of the equation in fishing in Colorado. It certainly is. Scott, thanks for joining us. Great, great cause, great information. Hopefully, we'll get lots of support. Thanks, Terry. Really appreciate you having me on. And, um, yeah, I, I, I hope we get a chance to talk again and, and look forward to it. Yep. We'll have you come on and update us. That was Scott Willoughby from uh, – Trout Unlimited. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about how they get some of these cutthroat trout up to these high mountain lakes that also provide great angling opportunities on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the Front Range. If you haven't been in one, uh, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, you need to just stop and check one out. You'll be amazed. They'll handle all your outdoor needs. Let's go to the phones. 
And joining us from the hatchery system at Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Dave Carr. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. And we just got done talking to uh, Scott from Trout Unlimited about their their initiative to restore and preserve our gold medal waters in Colorado. But mm-hmm. I don't. I seriously doubt that the fisheries in Colorado could support the number of anglers that we've seen coming out if it wasn't for our hatchery system, especially in a couple of ways. Don't you agree with that? Yeah, hatcheries are, you know, I consider to be an absolutely vital part of aquatic and fisheries management in Colorado. Um, the sheer amount of angling pressure on the small number of surface acres in the state makes it, you know, an absolute necessity for uh, supplemental stocking to take place. When one, and we're going to talk about a couple different ones. One is everybody's familiar with the stockable trout or the catchable trout. I'll get back to that in a minute because there's going to be some things coming up people can take advantage of. But the other thing I want to talk about is one that's been in the news lately and one you and I have talked about before, but one that offers, I think, some great opportunity. You know, with the little bit of crowding we've had, the hot weather, a lot of people have wanted to get up at altitude or maybe hike a little bit, get a little bit of a more... Uh, solitude as far as part of the experience, but still catch some fish and have a good time. And a program you do that gets cutthroat trout into the high mountain lakes really provides that opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, it's a it's a program I'd like to come on and highlight uh, this time of year because in, a, in just a, probably a few weeks, um, we have this really great collaboration in CPW where we get um, – cutthroat trout into high mountain lakes, uh, primarily using aircraft, but also by uh, horseback and backpacking fish into remote areas. Um, and it's, a, it's I think it's a program that's probably not as visible or as well known to the public as um, uh, some of the catchable stocking, but it's nonetheless really important. And, um, you know, the really cool thing about it is that, yes, we stock hundreds of thousands of small cutthroat in uh lot of high mountain lakes but really just the sheer number of different water bodies that we're able to stock fish in with this program we're talking hundreds of lakes that we do every year um, in different parts of the state we kind of switch back and forth from east slope to west slope and from north side of the state to the south side of the state we sort of rotate around but it's it's a really great program Uh, we airdrop fish in we again backpack fish in um and we uh, do some stocking in some remote areas that people can really take advantage of, especially later on in the summer once it's uh, kind of dried out a little bit up there and get some nice summer weather. Well, and, you know, all you really need to do to take advantage of these is have a good pair of hiking boots and a, a fly rod or a, even a conventional rod and a handful of flies or lures. And you can, uh, if you're willing to walk a little bit, you totally get away from the general public and it's such an incredible experience. I mean, I've I've fished some of the alpine lakes up in Rocky Mountain National Park that I got to by horseback, but it's amazing. You know, you may not grow giant fish because the growth rate is slow, the food is limited, but you give an opportunity to catch a fish that is native to the mountain states. Now, these are what we call recreational cutthroats. They're not true native cutthroats, but they're so beautiful, and the colors on these fish are so phenomenal, Dave. Yeah, they're kind of, um, you know, genetically speaking, they're a hybrid of East Slope and West Slope cutthroats. So we're not we're not talking the the pure uh, 
Bear Creek strain of greenbacks or anything like that. In, in most cases, that's not always true. There are a few select bodies of water out there that have um, some pretty genetically pure stocks. But yeah, I mean, nonetheless, these are going to be gorgeous fish. And oftentimes, because they're only accessible in the summer, you're going to see them in full spawning color. So they're going to have a lot of reds on them, and they're going to be they're going to be good looking fish for sure. Um, and yeah, it's, it doesn't doesn't take a whole lot. Fly fishermen can certainly have success. Spin fishermen can have success, and and it doesn't take a lot. You know, it's it's a it's a really great opportunity. They're usually really willing to come to a fly or a lure too. They're opportunistic fish that don't see a lot, and you can really have yep. a great time. Before we run out of time, I want to move into something that I think is is one of the greatest ways, especially to get new anglers and kids into fishing. And we're going to talk. A little bit about taker friend fishing in the next segment and that's the catchable the stocking of catchables which goes on almost year round but well i guess not through the ice but it goes on throughout different waters depending on when it's appropriate and the front range where we have the most population tends to get stocked i think you can correct me if i'm wrong but early spring and then again in the fall because of the warm summer waters and we should be getting to that point where we're going to see a lot of catchable trout being put into our waters here, right? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the year. It depends on the summer and the fall and how the water temperatures are looking. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of hatcheries start stocking catchable trout not long after ice off on the front range. And they sort of follow ice off up the mountainside is the way I like to look at it. They start stocking higher elevation waters as ice comes off. And then when ice starts to come back on in the high country, we kind of follow it back down until we end up in the lower elevation lakes stocking catchables, um, I'm sure, October into November, basically until ice up. Um, I, I actually will correct you just a little bit, though, Terry. We do stock fish through the ice in a few select locations uh, Places like Spinney and 11 Mile, where pike predation is an issue, uh, we actually do put them in there in the wintertime just because they have a lower risk of being preyed upon by, by large pike. So we really do do it year-round, um, but it is it is definitely front range uh, going to be in the spring and fall, depending on water temperatures for sure. Well, I've seen on the stocking report some of the bigger lakes that have a little cooler water are already getting, getting catchable trout, and that'll mm-hmm. continue. And you stock not just bigger lakes, but a lot of small ponds and things too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would think that in a lot of cases those smaller ponds are going to cool off a little quicker in the fall, so some of those may actually be uh, some of the uh, bodies of water that get stocked first in the fall. Um, it, it, again, it just it just kind of depends. Um, it, we really have to watch the water temperatures, and that's that's where our hatchery techs come in. They do a good job, kind of monitoring what's going on out there. And um, you know, as soon as uh, bodies of water are capable of uh, sustaining trout, that's that's when we stock them. Well, and people sometimes get the misnomer that you secretly do this. You want the fish to grow or something, and you do want them. There's some that have holdover, but really, you publish a report. Whenever you stock, people can know exactly when these fish were been put in and and how and and they can go and you want them to go and catch those fish, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's definitely those uh, bodies of water that we we classify as put and take, which is basically you know we put those catchable size fish in there with the intention that people are going to catch them and harvest them. Um, maybe not immediately, but very quickly. And these tend to be bodies of water that do not. Uh, are not particularly good at growing trout. Um, then there's also, 
the other kind, which we, we put uh, trout in with the intention of them to grow a bit. And some, some bodies of water do that very well. So, uh, again, it's just there, there's really no one size fits all, um, but it, it's, it's a little bit of both. We are out of time, but Dave, thank you so much for coming on with us, and hopefully people will get out and take advantage of that. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Yep, no problem. Have a good one, Terry. You bet. Dave Carr from Parks and Wildlife. Um, the stocking report, every two weeks a fishing report comes out. Karen puts on Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a link to that fishing report, and it has the stocking report. You can go back and look at any body of water you want to fish and uh Find out when it was stocked. We're going to take a time out. We'll be back talking more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Um, They just can handle all your outdoor needs. Boy, I tell you what, if you archers are looking for arrows and broadheads, they have a great selection. They stocked up because they were afraid it wouldn't be easy to come by, and they are loaded with them. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Andre Egley. Good morning, Andre. Good morning, Gary. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. You know, you've come on a few times. We talk about an ongoing contest at Parks and Wildlife, and that's Take a Friend Fishing, where people actually can, by taking somebody out and introducing them to fishing, can... uh, win some great prizes and make a, maybe make somebody's enrich somebody's life. Uh, first of all, update us. Have you had any of your drawings yet? Yeah, we actually do uh, three drawings a year. So, uh, I mean, they're not drawings. I actually review everybody's submissions and kind of pick uh, the best ones. And I have some other people that kind of weigh in on that, but we do a drawing in July, a drawing in uh, October, and then a drawing in February. So we actually have two winners uh, that we just picked, um, essentially this week uh, for the very first go-round here at the July winners. What kind of prizes can they win? Uh, I have a little bit of everything. It, it's uh, pretty much uh, this year it's brand new. I'm doing prizes for the mentors, uh, the person who takes somebody out fishing, as well as the mentee, the person who's never been fishing before. So both people are getting prizes. So if you're a mentor and you've been fishing a long time, uh, basically I have stuff to kind of upgrade what you have. I have brand new like Orvis fly rods or Ross reels and things like that. I have Yeti coolers um, and I have a guided fishing trips. I have a wading trip donated by a trout fly fishing and a boat guided trip by donated by Northern Colorado uh, Fishing Outfitters. So uh, if you're the mentor and been doing this a long time, I can get you a guided trip and upgrade your equipment. Uh, if you're the mentee and you're going out, you have access to all those as well. You kind of get to pick what you want. Uh, but I also have uh, basically kits for the newbies uh, that basically gives them everything they need to go by themselves. So if they're into ice fishing, I have full ice fish fishing setups with a sled and an auger and a shelter and if they decide that it's fly fishing they want, I have a full fly fishing setup with rod, reel, flies, tippet, leader, nippers, and everything. And I also have spin casting setups for, for the newbies. I got tackle boxes that I outfit it with over $300 in bait and tackle. So uh, if you're brand new, you get taken out that one time, and then you can have a chance to win everything you need to go out a second time. So how do people enter? What's the process? And how long will this be going on? So we, we've been doing it every single year uh, for the last three years. This is the third year doing it. Uh, it opens. Uh, you can start submitting in April. And like I said, we do the July, 
October and then February. And the February is the end of the contest for the year, and then it'll reopen again in uh, April of the following year. So uh, the people who have submitted and didn't win in July, you're, you're still in the contest all year round, so you still have a chance to win. Um, and uh, to, to enter, you just go to our website. Um, it's cpw.state.co.us. Uh, you can just search Take a Friend Fishing, and you'll see our page there. Uh, and then there's a simple little form at the bottom. It doesn't take much to submit, actually. You just have to give me the name, uh, well, your name, the name of the person you took, and then you write a little blurb about uh, 100 words, and you share a photo of your trip out there. And I do kind of take into account uh the substance of the story you send in. So I've had a few people submit and it's just like, I love fishing. CPW is great. And I agree with both of those statements, but that's not going to get you a prize. (laughs) So put a little (laughs) bit more effort into it than that. So you want a little bit of a description of what the, what the experience meant to both the mentor and the mentee. I mean, and uh, take us through who qualifies to be a mentee again. Yeah, so uh, mentor and mentee, they both have to be at least 21 years old. Uh, that's basically the only requirement for the mentee or the mentor. Uh, they also have to have a fishing license, of course. Uh, the mentee, the person who's been taking out, uh, gets taken out, they also have to be 21. Um, they either have to have never purchased a fishing license in their life, uh, or this could be the second time, second year they've ever purchased a fishing license or they haven't purchased a fishing license in the last six years. So basically reactivating somebody who used to fish but hasn't been out in a long time. So those are kind of the three categories to be able to qualify. And, you know, we've just, we were just talking um, to Dave Carr about the stocking. We're going to see a lot of catchable trout starting to be stocked up and down the front range. They're usually pretty cooperative. What a great way to introduce somebody to fishing because you can harvest a few of those and take them home. They're willing biters. So we've got lots, and all the fishing in the fall tends to get good, and ice fishing in Colorado is phenomenal. So there's lots of opportunities and lots of great prizes to win. Tell them again where they find out more information on the web. Sure. Just go straight to our website, cpw.state.co.us. There's a search bar. Just type in Take a Friend Fishing, and it'll take you right to that page. And I have to sing the praises of those hatchery folks because uh, my job is to promote angling. And if there weren't any hatcheries putting fish out there for people to catch, my job would be a lot harder. All right, Andre, we're out of time, but thank you so much. It's a tremendous program. Keep us updated. Sure, will do. Thanks for having me. You bet. Andre Egley from Parks and Wildlife. We'll take a quick time out and Austin Parr is going to join us, and he's going to give us an update on where you can go catch some fish right now in Colorado on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us, one of our favorite contributors, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, because you guide and you run a tackle store, you really keep in touch with what's going on. And I always, at, when we get through the, about the middle of July, going till about the middle of September, I always kind of laugh because I hear so much about the uh, the dog days of summer and how the fishing is terrible. Now, the fishing is different, but it certainly doesn't have to be terrible, does it? Not at all. And this is one of those times, I think, where there's a, a couple of, 
preconceived notions about walleyes in particular that really don't ring true, and one of them being that they are not active this time of year, and they try and go deep to get into cool water. Whereas in reality, they're really eating at this point practically more than at any other point in the entire year. But because there's so many bait fish out in these lakes right now, they have so much to eat that sometimes it can be a struggle to have them locate your lure. And so, you know, and, but if you do it right, uh, you've got to change your approach and change your tactics. I think both Cherry Creek and Chatfield, you and a number of other anglers have been having great success all along, right? Yeah, and it's one of those things where a lot of times in the earlier time in the summer when the fish are set up on structure really nicely, you can kind of get greedy with trying to find fish. You can find big, giant, huge pods of them and and really not settle until you do because they're going to be loaded up somewhere on the lake. Um, And when that happens, you can sit there and at times catch fish on legitimately every single cast for a number of casts and sometimes long periods of time. But this time of year, a lot of times I'm fishing areas a little bit more, and time of day really does matter. So early morning, those fish are pushing those bait fish up against big structure points. So steeper drop-offs, and in particular large structure points like the Tower Ridge at Cherry Creek or some of the roadbeds at Chatfield, those fish will be utilizing that as ambush points and following those bait fish schools. So if you set up on those areas, you can catch fish, uh, sometimes three or four or five fish in short order, and then they'll go quiet for a while and then they'll move back through again and you can catch them again so that's been kind of my approach in the earlier mornings but then as the days progress those shallower bites tend to fade off and trolling is a lot more effective and we've mentioned it over the last couple of weeks but some of the planer boards with small cranks high in the water column uh to have those fish uh, your most active fish a lot of times are high in the water column over the main expanse of the lake, but no structure at that point. It's just kind of trolling over the, the main area looking for areas of bait fish. And right now, particularly at Cherry Creek, it's not hard to find that. Yeah, and people, I think the biggest mistake when they're trolling over these, and you can be trolling, like Glendo, I sometimes troll over 60, 80 feet of water, but I'm only trolling like five feet deep. And I think the biggest mistake people make is that they get their lures down below those fish. When you know, when you're fishing the bottom, you can be right down there. You can have bottom bouncers or jigs or or blade baits or those type of presentations. But when those fish are suspended, they virtually will not go down to hit a, a lure or a bait. You have to have it above them. And I think that's one of the critical mistakes. And sometimes it's so much shallower than people think really really shallow and sometimes i'm even putting these baits 15 or 20 feet behind a planer board which only means they're running down a foot and a half to two feet deep and the other thing that people make the mistake of is if you're trolling this time of year you may get some on some flat lines behind your boat but the planer boards are pretty critical those fish move out of the way of your boat because you're only down a few feet and and it, as you mentioned before you feel like you almost can concentrate those fish pushing toward your lures if you're just fishing that just behind your boat even at any type of distance out of your prop wash, a lot of times that lure gets too deep and they're not going to be uh, reacting to it very nicely. No, you're absolutely right. Let's talk about a few other opportunities. What have you heard about maybe some of the mountain lakes for trout? Spinning Mountain has been doing quite well lately. Uh, we've been hearing that these fish are peeling out of those shallows. And this year is a little bit different up there for the fact that with the low water early, the weed growth is not quite at uh, the level of maturity that you would normally find this time of year. However, there's certainly weed still. But getting out into that 20 to 25-foot range uh, out away from those weeds a bit and actually vertical jigging tubes and doing some wind drifts has been very effective out there. 
there's been some pike that have still been going out there, a few on some buzz baits and some on jerk baits, but uh, the trout definitely have been doing well. And then uh, kind of piggybacking off of some of the stuff we were talking about with some of the high elevation stocking earlier on the show there with uh, for CPW, that still is one of my favorites this time of year. And, and as we're starting to cool down, uh, those high elevation buck trout are going to be starting to think about spawning and really getting into some beautiful colors right now. And the cutthroats up there as well are very eager to participate uh, on a variety of different methods, whether you're fly fishing or throwing conventional tackle. And those high mountain lakes may not produce the biggest fish, but they are aggressive. It's amazing how big of a fly or lure they will hit, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, this time of year, they're very keyed in on terrestrials, meaning some type of insect that's falling into the water and becoming a food source. So like beetles and ants and especially grasshoppers, uh, you can run very large flies. And a lot of times I'll run a big fly in tandem with something that's quite small. So something like a Griffith's at, uh, Griffith gnat or a little ant, something that's hard to see a lot of times on the surface, but you use that front fly as kind of a locator, not necessarily an indicator, but then you'll see that fish sometimes come up and eat that big fly, but then at times they'll tail off and eat that smaller pattern, and obviously that big fly shows you right where that is. And if you have a good pair of polarized glasses and some calm water, you can pick fish off sight fishing all day utilizing that technique. Oh, it's so much fun. And, you know, you don't have to walk that far to get away from the crowds and access some of these lakes. Just go look at a good map and pick some out. One area of the lake we haven't talked about much this year, I think we were afraid of the water levels, and that's the southeast. Are you hearing anything? Are the boat ramps open? Are people doing any good down there? Yeah, so the water level is in some places lower than normal. In some places it's a little bit higher than normal. So places like Adobe Creek, also known as Blue Lake, um, is a little bit low at the moment, but if you have a smaller boat, people are catching a lot of crappie down there right now. There's a lot of bait fish in that lake, and it's the same type of thought process as we were discussing. You have to kind of resemble those bait fish, but uh, fish above and high in the water column, and those crappies are eating those shad really well down there right now. And so that bite has been remarkably productive. And then at John Martin, we haven't heard a ton of reports, but the one we have one boat ramp still open at John Martin and taking virtually no pressure as far as at least from the anglers that come into my store. And uh, this time of year, you can get those white bass and wipers on some fantastic boils. And if you've got a pair of binoculars and some topwater baits late in the day, that can be an outstanding way to catch a lot of fish in a hurry. And when they're boiling, it uh, is pretty much one of those times when the, the old cliche of you could throw a bear hook in there and catch one kind of almost rings true. But uh, it's a, a heck of a time to catch fish on top water when they're boiling like that. Well, I think it's worth a drive. You know, it's a little bit of a drive, but as long as you know you can get on John Martin, there's a great sawgye population, there's good largemouth bass, and the white bass aren't what they were two, three years ago, but they're still plentiful and some wipers. And, and, you, and you're not going to put up with any other anglers, and you're almost guaranteed if you do a little bit right to come back with some fish. Last topic yeah. I want to touch on is we're going to get in. I brought this up with the hatchery people, and that's the fact that we're going to see more and more trout being stocked on the front range as the water cools. And this provides shore anglers or any anglers just a great opportunity just to get out and catch fish and take a couple home. What do you hear and what do you anticipate coming up on that? So big trout have been coming out of Aurora lately, even uh, toward the master angler type size frame. Um, still sitting a little bit deeper out there. Obviously, we're seeing a little bit of a cool off right now. But in general, it is a little bit warm. So over the next couple of weeks, as we're starting to see cooler nights. We're going to see some really good fish that are going to be coming shallow, particularly at places that have deeper water like Aurora or Chatfield. 
Uh, there has been trout that have been stocked in Cherry Creek already, so folks have been catching some smaller ones there. But in general, it might be a slight bit early, but we are right on the cusp of some fantastic trout fishing right on the shorelines of these metro impoundments. You're absolutely right. Austin, if people want more information or to find you, how do they do that? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Terry. You bet. Austin Park, great resource. You know, a lot of the fishing we talk about here, um, if you go to my YouTube channel, the, Be- the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, we did the two television shows, and a lot of those fish, a lot of these same lakes and same opportunities are covered right there. And a lot of times there's links. You should follow us on Facebook, and I'm going to tell you more why next hour. But Facebook, we're going to start having more prizes to give away, and that's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by um, Will Dykstra, and we're going to talk some big game hunting. Will's going to take us through archery deer, and then he's going to talk a little bit about calling for elk and what's involved there and some of the mistakes people make. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.